Introducing the Monte Cristo Cinquenta JR 50th. Celebrate our anniversary with this luxurious cigar now offered in the iconic Monte Cristo torpedo size. Only limited quantities are available, so celebrate 50 years of excellence with us right now only at jrcigars.com. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special episode of Smoke Night Live. Yes, it's Wednesday. Uh, you would normally be tuning into Flavor Odyssey right now uh, with Robbie and Randy, uh, but uh, R- Randy had a uh, pr- previous engagement, so uh, couldn't do Flavor Odyssey. We thought this is the perfect time, Jordan, to do a special edition of Smoke Night Live. Just off the cuff. We can do that kind of stuff. Because, not only that, but it's important. This is an important episode because we got to catch up, figure out what's going on, get the latest update, a state of the union, so to speak, Jordan. Mm, smart. Of the uh, cigar industry because so much has happened. It's such a fast-moving uh, you know, topic. Like Things are constantly happening, and sometimes you lose track uh, as to what's going on and what we could be doing to help as a community of cigar smokers. So that's the uh, the intent tonight. But Jordan, we just got back from the show, uh, the TPE show, which uh, was a lot of fun. I was. Uh, how would you characterize the past it's, week? It's li- it's lighthearted. It's it's a party atmosphere. It was. You know. Uh, you know. It's not as much business as there's business going on, but uh, it's a more lighthearted atmosphere. I would say. It's I like I was on an er- I was on a show earlier, and I was saying how. There really is room for these two shows. Now, I know this year they're sort of squeezed together, unfortunately, in the span of a you know, month and a half or whatever. But uh, normally they'd be six months apart. And it really sort of feels like, Jordan, there, there's, there's, there's good in both of these trade shows. You have the Absolutely. TPE normally in January, and you have the Premium Cigar Association show, the, the Biggie, in, in July. And they kind of both have a different sort of feel, and I like the feel of both of them. They both kind of have their their thing. Well, you know? yeah, even if you're just to boil it down to just the time of year, that, that helps. Because do we really want to get every new cigar coming out uh, in, in the summer? Like, it's nice to have some manufacturers want to come out with some of their stuff a little early and break it up throughout the year. Right. So that was a, a very interesting show. I was encouraged by the... You know, it seemed like people were ready to kind of get going again, which was the most important thing. You know, you're never sure like what's really going to happen when they say go. You know, like d- what what really really goes down. And so it was encouraging, um, and that makes me even more excited about the PCA show coming up in in July because now we know kind of uh, that yes, people are ready. They're ready to kind of jump back into this, get stuff going again. So we'll talk a bit about that tonight as well. Um, so let's bring on our guest, Jordan. Uh, a lot of you guys know we've had Glenn Loop on several times. Now, this is the first time that we've had Glenn Loop on the show where he is the 
a part of the PCA. He's the director of state advocacy. Um, and Josh Herbisky, which is the director of government affairs with the PCA. So we want to welcome both Josh and Glenn to our special report on Smoke Night Live. Boys, how are you doing? Outstanding. We're greeting you from the swamp. <laughs> the swamp, yeah. We're in D.C. We're excited to be on. I said, you know, before the show, I'm, I'm very excited to be on Dojo. I was a, a fan before having this job, and uh, we're really looking forward to having a good conversation with you guys. Now, Josh, you had mentioned before the show that uh, you guys are super busy. You're, you're burning the midnight oil. And my question to you is, where do you get the midnight oil? Do they sell that at, at, at the grocery store? Is that a, is that a hardware store situation? Where does it, where, where is the midnight oil and what do you burn it in? I don't even know. Like, maybe that's uh, the wrong analogy. We're selling snake oil. That's <laughs> <what I> <laughs> now you guys are right in the thick of, of things. And, um, before we start to get into the thick of things, I think people are interested. Glenn, we know you uh, being the Cigar Rights of America guy, but now you're in the PCA. Do you want to sort of quickly summarize how you uh, transitioned into this new position? Well, it's a, it's a great and unique opportunity. As I've said numerous times, I'm a creature of the state legislature. Uh, my first job out of college was working for uh, our Virginia legislature. And the unique part about that with cigar advocacy is that states have to do something. They have to balance budgets. They have to pass laws. They have to act on deadlines. And all too often, and unfortunately, uh, the legislation that happens in a state capital spreads very quickly across the country and has huge industry implications. So the opportunity to think about 50 state capitals instead of one, which Josh has to do, <laughs> Um, is, is actually a welcome challenge. Uh, I mean, I could go into a lot of detail, but I won't do that. But the engagement with our, our retail community on dozens and dozens of state issues in a very short period of time coming into this, helping out in January through April and then coming on board in April, uh, this has been an active year in the state legislative business for the cigar industry. Now, I would imagine, uh, Glenn and Josh, um, that the two of you, have to have good communication because there's probably certain things that come down the pike uh, for you, Josh, where you say, Hey, Glenn, like there's this over here in the state, but then there's also probably issues where Glenn, you have to go to Josh and say, uh, you know, Hey, this is, this is a, a bigger DC sort of thing. And so you guys probably have to be in constant communication, making sure that you're both on the same page all the time. It happened just today. All of a sudden we have spontaneously had to give testimony into the Delaware State Senate on a piece of great legislation that would reduce the, the OTP tax rate on cigars from 30% to 15%. So we spontaneously put together some testimony. The cigar shops in Delaware did a yeoman's job of pulling together consumers and retailers to give a testimony on that legislation. If something had just occurred, uh, we're doing the same thing in the state of Maine on a horrible tax increase. The state of Massachusetts, I could go around the country with examples, but uh, the New York uh, New, New York retail community has come together in an amazing fashion in a very quick period of time to advocate for some very pro-cigar legislation that's about to be unveiled up there in the coming week, where cigar, bar, cigar shops could apply to get a state liquor license. 
and also some tax reform legislation to drop the OTP rate in the state of New York. We got examples like that across the country where retailers are, are coming together with consumers to advocate for this industry. Glenn and I have had a, a really good rapport working together. I was so happy, you know, last year for the vast majority of it, I was doing federal, state, local, all of the above, you know, taking out the trash here at the, the, uh, the townhouse, you know, just keeping the lights on working with Scott Pierce and having Glenn and learning from his years of experience in the, uh, you know, the premium cigar world with CRA and bringing those lessons learned. Um, and also my bringing my passion and expertise in other associations uh, we're a good one-two punch in, in combination as we tackle these issues. All right, so before we start to tackle some of these issues, uh, why don't you guys fill us in on what you guys are smoking tonight? You, you first. I've got one of Nick Malillo's wonderful creations at Foundation Cigar, and he was gracious enough to put a box in the uh, PCA headquarters here, and uh, every time I'm, I'm in here, I, I pick up one of Nick's cigars. Nice. So, I, I am also smoking one of those, although I was supposed to bring my cigar to talk about on the show today. Uh, Luciano, who I know, is tuning in. We produced a cigar in January in Nicaragua called El Politico. And uh, it's, it's one that instead of giving people my business card, I'm going to uh, be giving that cigar as, as a gift to folks in the industry and uh, staff elected officials that I meet along the way. It's a fantastic cigar, but I've smoked my last one. So oh. we're, 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 we're getting some more. All right. So, uh, Luciano, that was a uh, cue to you to uh, get into the packaging department and send off some more Ace Prime <laughs> cigars. Uh, we're going to send you guys some, too. Luciano is a great guy. He's a cool dude, man. We uh, we had a good time chatting with him a couple weeks ago on the show. And he makes dang good cigars. And he makes Are dang good me? cigars. Yeah, that's a that's a great group of guys. Actually, all those guys, Miguel and John and everybody, Crown Heads and Ace Prime. There, that's a fun company to watch. That's one of our companies to watch because they seem to be doing some really great stuff. All right, let's get right into this. Um, all right, so I think the the first big major topic is the uh, the the real crushing uh, effort on the FDA's part to uh, ban flavored cigars. I mean, that's one of the big recent sort of things. Where do we stand on that? And um, I got to tell you guys before, as you guys are thinking of how to respond to this question, because I know it's a broad topic. I was a I was a bit taken aback um, on Facebook when this sort of when all this came down and there were people on Facebook and I won't name any names, but there were people on Facebook almost laughing and poo-pooing it like, ah, ha, ha, I'll never have to smoke an acid again or whatever. And I was like, guys, you, you don't realize how important flavored cigars are to the industry and how much flavored cigars not only subsidize pr the premium cigar industry in general, but when you take a small shop, like let's just say uh uh, a small uh, mobile lounge here in Colorado, Trinity Cigar Company. Acid Cigars, that's their number one selling cigar by far. Like, we can't just poo-poo this. Yeah, maybe you don't smoke acids, but this is an important aspect of our industry. Well, I think one of the problems is the FDA hasn't defined what a flavor is. And it's something we're going to have to diligently keep an eye out on as this process moves forward. And it's going to be a long term process. Um, obviously, there's a lot of competing interest in this, but 
you don't know what the impact it'll be on somebody like Ted Jackson with Ted cigars with a, a maker's mark or other liqueur flavored types of cigars. We know that this sector represents a lot of revenue for brick and mortar cigar shops. Uh, there's going to be a lot of folks fighting it. There's going to be a lot of folks advocating for it. But it, it, rest assured, it's going to be a very, very long term process. And, and really, right now, the state of play, the only thing that has been done was essentially this big press conference by the FDA and the Center for Tobacco Products about what their intention is to to be. They have not released anything formal, so we don't know the full-fledged impact of it, what will be um, you know, part and included in this actual policy proposal. So we're monitoring that actively. When something's released, we will activate accordingly. We know that there are a lot of PCA members that carry these products. Um, you know, of course, premium cigars, we don't define that as having you know, flavors or being machine made. But we are not in the business of prohibiting uh, the sales of these products. It would just require different pathways and regulatory treatment. So we're working on one end to deregulate premium cigars um, in, in a number of different ways. But we're there to protect the totality of what's sold in PCA member shops, which include premium cigars, some, some of these other cigars, and then also pipe tobacco, which that is another question in this uh, press conference that they have. What does it mean for pipe tobacco? Right. We just have to diligently watch what they do as far as defining a flavor. There was some very dangerous legislation in California, for example, that would define a flavor as someone who describes a cigar. So we all you know, read the ratings and we all read the descriptions, the flavor descriptors. And there's been legislation at the state level that we would not want to see incorporated in, in any federal effort that says, well, well, this is caramely and nutty and has notes of butterscotch and oh is that a flavored cigar well of course it's not but you don't you just got to keep a diligent eye on to make sure they don't too broadly define what the heck flavored actually means so but at the same time i would imagine or i would hope that you guys would be thinking okay if they come out with with if they come out with this definition we're going to take this route if they come out with this definition we'll go this route and if they go this other, you know, lesser definition, we can go that route. I would assume that you sort of have a, a playbook of ways that you can attack these things regardless. I mean, we don't want to just wait until they come out with something, right? We, we have to be proactive and be ready for whatever they ultimately want to attack. A absolutely. The war room discussions have occurred already. You know, we're, we're anticipating, we're working with other industry stakeholders, um, to, to see the next steps. In California, the example that Glenn uh, used, we had a contract lobbyist working on the ground with us, uh, fighting that, you know, the flavored sense and the characterizing flavors, which Glenn mentioned, that's a free speech issue. If you guys describe something as cocoa or any of the other cigar media describe it as having notes of this, but there's no flavoring, you should be able to do that. You know, manufacturers should be able to educate their consumers on what people are actually smoking. Um, so we're going to to take a very aggressive stance on that. We have a position statement on characterizing flavors that's on cigaraction.org. Uh, so we're not starting from square one. We do have those different contingency plans, um, but you know we, we want to make sure that we address it based off of what the FDA releases. We will be meeting with uh, the FDA 
um, in the coming weeks. And, and we've invited them to the trade show as well, and which like we do every year. Right now, so, so Glenn mentioned a minute ago, you know, that uh, flavored cigars don't always get classified in with the, the premium cigars. And I don't know, maybe I'm mischaracterizing this, Glenn. You correct, please correct me if I'm wrong. But it, it almost sounded like you were saying that, that it wouldn't normally be considered part of the premium cigar battle. Am I misreading that? Or did you, is that what you said? No, it's, it's a part of the overall approach to battling any type of regulation. Okay. So I think you characterize it properly. Right. And, I, and I think a lot of the anti-tobacco groups keep moving the goalposts, conflating the different information, because usage patterns are different from a non-flavored versus a flavored cigar. Um, so th that's tactically done by the other side to mesh things together and create more restrictive policy. So that's something that we're aggressively battling and making sure that policymakers, whether they're regulators or legislators, are educated on those nuances. All right, so then just to try to put a finer point on my question, let's assume for a second that the FDA uh, comes out and they define flavored cigars the way we all understand them as cigar smokers. You know, they're talking about the infused acids and... And, and that kind of thing. Will that be part of what you guys fight as the PCA or is that somebody else's battle? We will be fighting against prohibitions on uh, tobacco products that are sold by PCA member stores, which include flavored cigars. And what, what is the strategy to battle against the FDA in that regard? You know, a lot of it is is the education and outreach, you know, convening the stakeholders together, talking about the data, talking about the small business information, and then also providing vehicles for the different sectors of our industry to engage with those policymakers. So consumers, retailers, manufacturers, um, making sure that those voices are in the room and um, showing to them what the impacts of it are. You know, the, if they want to come out with this broad prohibition, they need to show why this would be beneficial or what the, you know, the impetus or the, the background information is to why they're doing it. And we feel as though it's unwarranted and the, the burden of proof is on them to showcase why they're doing it. And we're going to poke holes in into their arguments. All right, good, because... My fear uh, to you guys would be that we, as the the PCA, might say, well, you know, it would be a lot easier to fight this battle if we weren't having to fight the, the flavored cigar stuff. You know, like, let's let somebody else fight that battle. And then, you know, it's the old uh, camel's nose in the tent thing, right? Like, you give away that battle. You know, you give away the, um, okay, so now you have to be 21 to buy cigars everywhere. Let's just go ahead and give that battle away. You know, maybe we'll, maybe if we're just kind of nice to the FDA and we kind of give them some ground and some room here on flavors and ages of, of consumers, then they'll be nice to us. I would contend, and I'm assuming you guys would agree with me, they're, they're never going to be happy with any of those things if we give away an inch, they're going to go for a mile. I mean, it really is a case of battling the government, which is never satisfied if you try to sort of appease them in any sort of small way. Absolutely. You know, we're fighting 30, 40 different battles in different issue areas from small business to tax to health issues. 
and uh, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can battle the flavors, things that, you know, um, involve some of our, our membership. We can also advance some of the, the policies on the traditional premium non-flavored cigars. Um, and, and we, you know, we want to take it from a different approach and, and it goes down to the local and the state level, percolates up to the federal level. You're absolutely right when, you know, they take an inch they go for a mile the next go around as soon as 21 passed t21 there were localities that were exploring t25 and t27 right so we have to remain ever vigilant we have to battle back you you know you all in and your viewers have seen the petitions that we've been putting forth at the state level we've been active on flavor issue in California is the, the classic example, but in, in other states as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're fighting the war on multiple different fronts, uh, but we've been successful. We thought, you know, this year was going to be a tough year in terms of state taxes, and we've been able to fight back on a lot of the preserved tax caps. Um, you know, Michigan, where we were, were able to pass that, working with the state association and the House uh, today, working to get that across the finish line. Glenn mentioned Delaware. That's actually considering, that state legislature is considering lowering the tax rate from 30% wholesale to 15%. So we're moving in the right direction on a lot of these different issue areas. There's just a lot of different uh, fights that we're in. Right, and right. You the FDA is capable, I don't know if they will, but they're capable of designing different forms of regulation for different products. Not everything should be regulated the same way. And there's a big difference between re reform of regulation and prohibition. And what they've proposed is outright prohibition. Well, who's to say that the message doesn't get across that there's a, a regulatory scheme that the FDA could put forth that that sector of the industry could actually live with? And that, that fight is yet to come. But what we've been battling for years is to prevent the FDA from having this one size fits all approach to regulation. Right. They, and, and again, there's a big bloody difference between that and prohibition. All right, let's uh, move on to the big, the biggie, uh, another biggie. Uh, that I wasn't, that was actually the biggie, but let's go on to another biggie. This is the uh, Mothers and Offspring Mortality and Morbidity Awareness Act. Of course, they call it the uh, Mamas Act, which they always try to give these things this name that makes it seem like, how could you possibly be against this thing? It's the Mamas Act, for crying out loud. This would be a massive uh, tax hike on cigars. Uh, I think this is, what, Senate bill, like S411 or something. Uh, where are we? Maybe you could kind of give viewers a sense of what's happening there, and then we'll we'll eventually get around to what people can do to help fight this. Cause I know that you guys have offered some tools to help fighting this. So there's actually uh, three bills at this point that encompass this tax language. There's one in the house of representatives and in the Senate, uh, Senator Durbin's leading the charge on all of these different fronts. Again, uh, again um, this isn't something that's new. It happened last Congress where they introduced this legislation. Uh, they're called the Tobacco Tax Equity Acts. Basically, it you know raises the cigarette tax and then also puts all other tobacco products on that flatline level of a significantly high tax rate. So we're talking about a thousand percent tax increase on premium cigars, sixteen hundred percent tax increase on pipe tobacco. Now, the Mamas Act that you, you mentioned, S411, that's very similar language to these 
Tobacco Tax Equity Acts. So we're fighting against both of those. We have uh, a petition where you know anybody can go right to their lawmakers on cigaraction.org to oppose these bills. Uh, we released and resent out our alert on that Tobacco Tax Equity Act today uh, because Senator Durbin, along with um, uh, Senator Wyden and uh, uh, two members of the House, Representative Christian Morthy and Representative DeLauro, wrote a letter to President Biden and the Domestic Policy Council saying, hey, include this in the infrastructure package to pay for it. So where we stand right now as a standalone bill, the Mamas Act and um, you know the Tobacco Tax Equity Act, they have a very low likelihood of passage as a standalone bill. But if they were to do what Senator Durbin is asking the White House to do and, in, and put it in a massive bill, a massive package, that significantly increases the likelihood of this happening. So we really need people to push back against it because as of this week, the likelihood and, and percentage increase uh, of passage increased because of, of those actions. And another one of the most dangerous parts of this is that the tax on premium cigars is based upon weight. Hmm. And it's like $49 per pound. Well, there's a big difference between a pound of cigarettes and a pound of cigars. It would be financially just devastating to this side of the industry. So something's got to be done to modify that weight-based calculation of the tax. Now, now Glenn, maybe, maybe you can, in practical terms, help people uh, visualize what this would mean when they went to their local brick and mortar. Now, I assume that it would change, you know, state to state, but just in general terms, uh, you know, that kind of a increase, you know, a $10 cigar is going to be what? I mean, what are we talking here? thousand percent. Yeah, that's crazy, right? That would kill kill the industry. And we're talking dollars, not cents, as, as you know, much of the state level tax increases are, you know, this, this would be detrimental to the industry. It's a you know, one where all of the different actors, you know, consumers, retailers, manufacturers, some of the other associations that we work with, it should be an all hands on deck approach. Everyone needs to be saying, no, this will destroy the small businesses, jobs in, in the community, and also the passion for all the consumers that enjoy cigars across the country. Now, typically when legislation like this passes or is presented, there's, you know, studies done as to what the impact will do on the overall economy, on jobs, on private, on the private sector. Uh, Are they doing that or is this just, hey, man, this is the thing that we want to do and we they haven't even studied what impacts this will have. I think they can care less. Yeah, this is a preventative thing. They want to destroy um, you know, the industry. They want to destroy smoking in the United States through this action. Um, that's the intended purpose of it. The only figure that I've seen is that they think annually they can raise uh, $100 billion off of this new tax. That's the only figure that um, their side has posited. Yeah, and of course, uh, the obvious counter argument to that is, you know, you can you can raise a tax so much that you ultimately get no tax revenue from it. I mean, that's pretty much how uh, economics works, right? There's a certain pendulum that swings, and the, the sometimes the lower the taxes, the more tax revenue you can raise because you're selling more of this product, therefore more taxes are being raised. You get to a certain, 
you know, you get to a certain level and then less of that product is being sold. Ultimately, if this passed, almost none of this product would be getting sold and therefore almost no tax revenue would be getting generated. Yeah, no, nobody summed that up better than the late Senator John McCain. John McCain was against using tobacco taxes to fund the state children's health insurance program, the S-CHIP tax. He said, why in the world would you fund a government program with a declining source of revenue, knowing that the number of smokers is continuously going down? Well, they need to take Senator McCain's advice and counsel from that battle from the early 2000s to heart right now. And this would tax, you know, small businesses out of existence. This would, you know, create job loss as a result of, of this going forward. And you, we've seen it, you know, in the state level, some of these crazy taxes out there. Minnesota was considering a $5 per cigar tax. That's something that we were able to uh, successfully defeat working with uh, Representative Jim Nash, who is one of one of our allies at the state level. Um, you know, it's nothing new where we where we haven't seen crazy ideas percolate um, early in the session. We, we just talked about this recently in New Jersey. They were going to require cigar retailers, cigar lounges, anyone that was a purveyor of a tobacco product to sell nicotine uh, cessation products or, or patches or gum, even though that would have no effect. People aren't addicted to premium cigars. These are rec recreational adult products that are occasionally enjoyed. So, you know, through education and outreach and working with our local retailers and the state association, we were able to defeat that in Minnesota and, and in New Jersey. In both of those cases, we'll look to a, a similar approach as we face these national challenges. Yeah, so uh, that's my sort of, you kind of answered my question there, Josh. Uh, I guess that is a two-part question. A, uh, your guys' approach to battling this, and then B, what can our listeners do to help? Yeah, I think first and foremost, CigarAction.org. We have active petitions on there where you will send a, a letter to your elected official. Um, and, and as we go through this, we're, we're going to, um, Patrick Anderson, who's one of our consultants that works on the federal team with myself, we are meeting with the tax um, committees. So we met with Senate Finance and the House Ways and Means. We're going to be doing targeted outreach to specific member offices, and it might get to the point where we're reaching out to uh, you know retailers and consumers saying, hey, we need you to call the legislative assistant or the staff person of Senator X or Senator Y to make sure that this doesn't go forward and go through. So we're doing grassroots, everybody, every listener, everybody that hears Glenn and I talk in the next few weeks about different legislative battles should be on cigaraction.org. There's petitions there under the federal tab where you can take action, it takes 30 seconds, go ahead and do that. And then we may follow up with you for some more targeted outreach. And every cigar shop in America needs to do, needs to visit the district office for their members of the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. It's absolutely critical that every single place that sells premium handmade cigars and pipe tobacco to physically go to the district offices of their representatives and let their opposition to this legislation be known. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, can't emphasize enough, folks, that if you're watching the show either live or on repeat, 
uh, please get involved. I mean, this this is a big one. Uh, it couldn't be more important to uh, let your voice be heard because, I don't know, frankly, you know, the, uh, these guys are politicians. They make their living if they're in office. And if, and if you tell them as a constituent that this is, you know, your opinion, they do listen to these things, especially if it's, you know, a mass amount. Like if you get, if there's a lot of people, if there's a flood of responses, it can make a difference. Don't think for one second that you can't make a difference because you absolutely positively can make a difference. And uh, Glenn and Josh are giving us a nice way to help uh, uh, with the website. Say that website one more time. Cigaraction.org. Yeah, cigaraction.org. So get on there tonight and fill that form out. Hey, uh, quick question for both of you. Uh, Since I've talked to you, Glenn, and we haven't had Josh on the show, but since I've talked to you, we have had a transition of power. We've gone from one administration to another has there been a uh, a difference in how in the approaches of the administrations? Has is this been a noticeable change, or has it been pretty much business as usual? Characterize the last you know eight months for us. Well, I think they've been consumed with one organizing their own administration. Obviously, the battle on confirmations, on the Recovery Act legislation. There's been now up to four different versions of of budget bills that have obviously reached into the trillions of dollars response to the pandemic. You had the the, uh, events of the Capitol of January 6th dominating the political dialogue. So there's been a lot of other dominating issues. It's amazing to me that Senator Durbin squeezed in time to put in this legislation amongst all that, but he did. But other than other than that, it's been about organizing the administration as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, and just to add to that, you know, I think the one noticeable change, you know, we evaluate and we look at the political realities, each Congress, each administration. In the last administration, we had consistent outreach. We, I was in the White House 12 times towards the latter part of last year. Um, and, um, you know, we had an open line of communication with the small business side of things. Um, That was a a key issue area that we brought to the forefront, to the White House, to the FDA, to the Small Business Administration. We're gonna carry that over. I think international development and um, the preservation of stability in cigar producing countries like Nicaragua, Honduras, and the Dominican Republic that's going to be an issue area that's more front and center. We're adjusting our talking points based off of uh, Biden's involvement in those countries from an international development and stability standpoint. So we're, we're altering our messaging. We still will be talking about small businesses, brick and mortar retailers, small family owned manufacturers, but the international side that's being added to our arsenal. Josh, does, does the do the governments of Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, um, do they do they get involved in this? I mean, this is very obviously this is paramount to their economies. Uh, how involved are they in in these discussions with our government? We have an open line of communication to all three countries' embassies here in Washington D.C. And, and I think to that, and I, I can't spoil the news, but at the trade show, we're going to be making an announcement about some of that future involvement. Interesting. All right, let's get to the trade show. This is the fun part, guys. Uh, the PCA trade show is coming up in, in July. I couldn't be more excited. Finally getting back. Last year, obviously, uh, the whole COVID situation uh, 
changed the, the landscape of things, but things are looking bright. People are excited to get back going. Let's talk about the trade show uh, coming up and the plans for it. Uh, before we get actually into the trade show, uh, you guys launched a product hub, which I think is super interesting. Maybe you could talk just real quick about the, the PCA product hub that you guys launched recently. Yeah, we've had a lot of support from some key manufacturers putting in products to this hub where our members can go and, um, you know, get product that's exclusively available to them. Um, we've, we've had successful runs with, you know, Rocky Patel, Pete Johnson. Um, you know, th those are some of the what Pete Johnson cigars are on the product hub this month. And people can go and order cigars. The, the transaction occurs with the manufacturer but they also provide a donation uh, through each to PCA as an organization. It's an alternative revenue model where we're able to get some money to go and finance the fight. Um, and it's been great. I mean, Platinum Nova did a PCA exclusive, which even had PCA on the, the band as part of this product hub. There's going to be new products every month uh, that will be coming up. This is Scott Pierce's uh, brainchild. He did a a fantastic job working with the product hub committee to put this forward. And we're excited to, to, to see where this goes. I, I would envision, you know, new, you know, new manufacturers, people trying to get into uh, PCA retailer uh, stores. Uh, this is a good opportunity that, you know, isn't concentrated in, in the, the, the trade show time uh, period. It can occur all month. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. Awesome. That's super cool. That's a great idea by Scott. I, I know I got my uh, registration all complete. I'm ready to go. I got my Airbnb. I got my plane tickets. I'm 1,000% ready to go. Our team is ready to go cover it. Talk a little bit about uh, how it's going, the, um, the, uh, the registration process. You got a lot of, I'm assuming that the, it's, you know, we're only a month away. So uh, talk about the, uh, the interest in the show this year. Where are we at? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll tell you, registrations, this especially this week, have been rolling in. The retailers were um, definitely at uh, 2019 levels um, and, and, and potentially hitting the level for, for retail participation. So there is pent up enthusiasm. I think that the, the messaging is that this is the family reunion of the premium cigar industry. Everyone is hungry to come together. Um, and uh, there, there's going to be a host of PCA exclusives that will only be available at the trade show. And, you know, that multiplied with all of the different educational content. That's the side of, uh, of the trade show that Glenn and I are, are working on, putting together panels uh, to teach retailers how to be advocates. We will be providing, uh, you know, a state of the union, state of the cigar industry um, on, on that panel. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the regulatory relief and, and that campaign that was achieved through the courts uh, last year and working with the FDA. Uh, so, we, you know, on that panel, we'll provide our updates and then we'll break out. You'll hear from John Anderson, Greg Zimmerman, George Padron and Rocky Patel on that, on that panel. Uh, so we're, we're very excited about that. We're, we're working on new partnerships. Uh, and, and ways to get folks involved. One of the other things we're excited about, um, you know, Cigar Rights of the World, they just launched. We're going to provide them a forum where they can talk about some of the international best practices. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in, from the legislative regulatory standpoint that's beyond our border. 
and um, we want to talk about that. And then, you know, this year, and, and I would say the last six months in particular, state associations have really upped the ante. They've been involved from an advocacy standpoint. So we'll have a breakout session on state association best practices. Um, so we're, we're very excited for it. I can't, I can't wait for the show and uh, to see everybody. It's, it's like you haven't seen your relatives in a, in a long time. <laughs> That's the thing, guys, that separates the, uh, the Premium Cigar Association show, formerly the IPCPR, is are these educational you know, seminars. I mean, that's, this is something that retailers can go to to really sort of like not only re-energize themselves and, and see their family again, like you're saying, Josh, but uh, get tools and practices to help them sell more cigars and be a more successful brick-and-mortar shop wherever they might be. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, we get a lot of the ideas at the trade show. I, I don't think that there's a better networking forum for the premium cigar industry. It's also incredibly helpful for us. It's a great feedback loop where, you know, if there's something that we're not doing, you know, we want to hear feedback, whether it's positive or, or criticisms. How can we improve our advocacy department, our government affairs, you know, what's going on in your state, what's going on in your locality, what should we be doing? Would it be helpful to create a one pager, one pager on this topic? Uh, so getting that feedback and best practices about, uh, you know, sales, you know, that's a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, but I know that Scott and Aaron and some of the other members of our team um, they put a lot of emphasis in that networking opportunity to build content for our blogs, for our uh, magazine, to provide those best practices so that people can be better retailers, have better lounges, and improve their all overall sales experience for the consumer. I think what all this means is that it's much more than a buying opportunity. This is about learning. This is about an exchange of information. This is about an instruction. This is about all of us coming together do far, far more than just the buying and selling of cigars between manufacturers and retailers. We're no different than any other industry in that regard. And elevating the trade show into this giant exchange of communication is central to the success of the show. Uh, Glenn, what's your, what's your, when you think of the show, uh, and I'll answer first and um, so that you can think about it as I'm asking this question, but what, when you think about the show, What's the thing that you look forward to the most? Now, for me, uh, looking forward to the show, I, I love the the nights at the you know it's, it used to be the Circle Bar, and I think now there's it's a it's a different location. It's kind of like the hotel bar where sort of everybody gets together, has drinks, has cigars, you know, uh, shoots the crap as they say, just hangs out. I mean, obviously the show's great, but. I, I I look forward. I have so many fond memories. I know me and you, Glenn. We I think the last time we were at a show <laughs> together, we we spent like two hours just like hashing things out, talking. Like I really mm. look forward to those sort of personal moments. What are the What's the thing that you look forward to when you think about the upcoming show? Really, it's seeing people that you don't get to see personally all the time. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's it's the exchange of information. It's seeing people that you don't see throughout the year. And I'll, I can recant dozens of, of examples of where a retailer that you haven't seen in a while comes up to you and goes, Glenn, I got a problem with my state legislature. They're coming down on me on this. Or the local health department's coming down on me and they're, they're creeping up behind me. What can we do? Spontaneously, issues will come up just walking the aisles of the show. 
where you'll bump into somebody from Seattle, bump into somebody from Indiana, and they'll share with you an experience that has a political angle, a political answer, and they, they need help with that. And it won't come until we're sitting there facing each other one-on-one. And having, I can just recant dozens of dozens of examples of issues where we have a sidebar discussion about strategy to tackle these things. That's one of the, I'll give you an example. Gary Colsair in New Jersey has been fighting for a tax cap in that state for years. We'll have a sidebar meeting on the next approach to trying to accomplish the tax cap in New Jersey. Or someone will come up with a smoking problem in Oregon or a cigar, trying to put a, a new cigar bar in Des Moines, Iowa. Having those spontaneous opportunities is the greatest thing I walk away from that show from every single time. What do you think, Josh? You know, I, I think it's uh, a lot about networking. I mean, I, I, I've been to two trade shows now. I was a consultant for a year prior to coming uh, on full time at PCA. And to me, it, it really is, I, I call it the Super Bowl of the cigar industry. And, you know, those relationships that I built through that time, especially when I was on staff, the one year that I got to uh, participate in it, that has shaped my career trajectory here. And the people that I met there, I'm involved with um, on, on sometimes a daily basis, fighting different things, the manufacturers, the retailers, um, and it's the best forum to provide input and feedback on the trajectory of the premium cigar industry. So if you want to see something done, we're all readily accessible. Glenn and I will be walking the show floor. Uh, that show I, I enjoyed and savored 87 cigars. I'm hoping to break that record um, <laughs> around. But I mean, to me, it, it's hard to put words when someone who hasn't been to the trade show, it's hard to explain. Anybody that's been there, they get it. They understand. All right. This is the real deal. Yeah, no doubt. All right, boys, before we wrap up uh, the show tonight, and it's been a, a fantastic show, I want to thank both of you so much for your time. But the final question that I have for you guys is, where do we see the cigar industry in five years? If you had to make a bet, if you had to put your, your you know, 10 grand on the line uh, as to the general uh, place of the industry, do we feel like... Do we feel like that we can make inroads to uh, keeping it kind of at least e- either where we are or better, or are, are we going to get? Are they going to run us over? I mean, just just your general thoughts on what you think where we will be in five years from now. You know, I'm the internal optimist. I, I think that you know, you look at last year and, and this year, we've been thrown every challenge in the book um, and have still come up on top in many different forums, whether it be federally and defeating those tax increases last Congress, whether it be uh, the litigation fight and winning on warning labels and substantial equivalents. Um, you know, we, we're racking up wins and. Some of them are incremental, but they are impactful wins. To the folks in Michigan that were shuttered for, for three weeks, we were able to work with the Department of Health and have that reversed. In Washington, D.C., same thing, you know, providing that information, that outreach and education to lawmakers. Um, I think a lot of the su- success or, or failure of the next five years def- depends on the involvement of the industry. 
all of the three spokes of the wheel, um, the consumers, retailers, and manufacturers coming together. Um, we, we can't be splintered. We can't be fighting one another because these public health groups and, and, and anti-tobacco groups and some legislators are coming after us. We have a target on our backs. We have we recognize that. But, you, you know, we talked about it in the beginning of the show. We can't be passive. We have to be aggressive. At the end of the day, I want people to know that the premium cigar industry is a passionate industry. It's an active industry. And it's one worth protecting, that this is a noble profession. This is a, a noble business. And people get to enjoy cigars and have quality conversations, talk about things that they wouldn't otherwise talk about, civil discourse. It's the ultimate political hotbed. And that's what keeps me going into work every day, is that you know decisions are made in these smoke-filled rooms and we, we need to ensure that they're positive outcomes for premium cigars and the people that depend on it, whether it's uh, a factory worker in Nicaragua, a shop uh, employee in, in Tallahassee, or uh, an average consumer here in Washington, D.C. I always say I'm a consumer first. I'm going to continue to fight as a consumer, and I hope that consumers like myself will join me in that fight. Now, before I before I move on to Glenn, I have a follow-up question for you, uh, Josh, based on what you just said. Do you believe that victory will be achieved incrementally or the knockout blow? What's the most likely scenario where we can have victory? Is it an incremental victory or is it a knockout blow? It's it's incremental victories. I mean, it's it's very tough to get the knockout blow. Um, you know, that, that comes once in a while. So, some could say with the substantial equivalence and the cost that it would have on the industry um, in defe defeating that in litigation. I think the argument could be made that that was a knockout blow. Um, you know, it, th that doesn't mean that the battle is completely over, but that was a significant win. But most of the stuff that we're working on, these are incremental uh, victories that we're racking up that will protect the industry for years to come. Um, and, and I think that that's what we can hope to achieve is to continue on that pace and, you know, make sure that we, we have our guard up as well. We, we don't want to have the knockout blow um, come our way as well. Right. All right. What do you think, Glenn? What's the state of the uh, cigar industry in five years from now? Well, I'm going to quote my friend Jorge Armenteros with Tobacconist University. We're living in a renaissance of cigar making. We're living in an era where some of the greatest cigars ever manufactured are coming out of these factories in Latin America now. And as disastrous from a human perspective, from an economic perspective, as disastrous as the COVID pandemic was, it highlighted the significance of this industry to the consumer. The manufacturers are selling virtually everything they make right now. Folks had more time at home. They had more time to think. They had more time to reflect. And I hope that we can maintain that type of production traje trajectory well into the next five years. I think, I hate to use this term, but uh, I think we can call it the, the 90s boom. And now I think we're having the COVID boom as far as production. And I think what that is going to highlight is the significance of this industry to the small businesses of America. Uh, the, painting the picture that these shops, these brick and mortar shops are an intricate part of Main Street America. 
is going to be the number one selling point where we can win with a Biden administration, with a new administration in Washington. I also think we're gonna be able to sell like never before the economic significance of this industry to Latin America from a jobs, economic and trade perspective. I think if we bundle that and package it, the small business angle, the Latin America angle, the production that's been made to accommodate the consumer over the course of the last 12 months, all that should bode well for a very stable and productive and economically successful future for the industry well beyond the next five years. Well, that's fantastic. I know I speak for everybody watching when I say uh, we want to thank you guys for, you know, fighting the good fight. And we hope that we hope that the community gets uh, some information tonight that maybe they didn't have before to uh, CigarAction.org. Is that right? That's correct. CigarAction.org. Go there. Fill out the form. Shoot it to your representatives. We got to all join in. If we don't all join in, and it's easy to sit back. It's easy to sit back and say, somebody else will fight this battle for me. But guess what? Somebody else won't fight this battle for you. I mean, yes, we we are. But if we don't all do it, it might not happen. So everybody has to play a part. And we, 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 we thank you guys from the bottom of our heart as fighting this battle for us and giving us an opportunity to help you in this battle. Uh, which eventually we we will win. So thank you guys for coming on the show tonight on this special report. Thank you. We we look forward to having a cigar with you at the trade show. Josh hasn't lived until he's been to a dojo party. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, Josh, you should come to Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest uh, in August because the two days before that we have the big dojo party right here at the studio. Glenn, you've been to that. You brought your. You brought your wife to our dojo party. We, we will be there this year. P- PCA will be at the uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival. Terry Gallagher is a huge supporter of PCA, and we want to be there to support them. And uh, I would love to have the honor of being invited to a dojo party. Yeah, <laughs> If so, we can get you to do a keg stand, that would just yeah. be, be if, we, if we get both Glenn and Josh to do keg stands, we know the cigar we, we industry win. is in good hands. <laughs> I just, I just want to sit in the uh, in the mobile cigar lounge again. I hope they're there. There, oh, he's he's sitting here right now. He's Trinity Cigar Lounge. That's Scott. He'll Yay, be there. He is. Scott will be here. They'll yeah. The mobile lounge will be here. All right, guys. I hope everybody enjoyed this special edition of Smoke Night Live. Uh, we will be back Wednesday next Wednesday for a regular Flavor Odyssey. It's the Wild Card Edition. Uh, I think Robbie will be uh, announcing the pairing for that show on uh, Sunday or Monday or something like that. So next Wednesday, a week from tonight at uh, 9 p.m. on our Facebook page will be Flavor Odyssey. As far as Smoke Night Live goes, we have a Smoke Night Live just this Friday, day after tomorrow. Uh, None other than John Carney of La Flor Dominicana, LFD, will be on the show. We'll be talking some sports with John as well as cigars and a bunch of other stuff. So that's going to be a blast. I love having John Carney on the show. I want to thank our guests uh, tonight uh, from being on the show, Glenn Loop, Josh Hrabowski. Hey, guys, this is it. Until next week, remember, never smoke alone. alone. We'll see you next week. Is it fast? Oh, it's fast. What about the options? What about the options? It's got all the options. But, like, what about price? It's got to be expensive. Not expensive at all, man. JR's got the greatest deals on cigars and accessories. Check it out. Oh, wow. Look at these. Oh, look at that deal. It's a good price. What are you guys doing with my car? Your car? I thought this was your car. I thought it was your car. Why would it be my car? I don't know. It's not again. We'll get out, but I'm taking this with a JR on the go. 
No matter whose car you're in, JR Cigar is there for you. 